Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. And if you're listening on podcast, we want to welcome you. It's always an honor to have you listen in. We love you from a distance. We pray you're blessed by this message. Just to pass on, last week, Pastor Cameron was here preaching. Um, if you're away, his podcast is online. He was from Texas. He was a Texan. And um, he sent me an email this week. You know, the funny thing is I've never met Cameron. I've never met him. I still haven't met him. We have spoken for the first time this week via Instagram. And he sent me an email basically saying, I have traveled to many, many churches but what you have in this church is something that I have not seen. Yeah. He said there's something significant. There's something significant and there's something unique on this church. It's a type of email you want to get. Yeah. And uh, then I just told, I thanked him for you know, investing into our church and I've heard great reports from that. And, uh, but well done, church. Well done that a guest could come in. He was especially blessed by the lean-in of our church, by the lean-in of people who are hungry, people who are expectant. Now, this guy speaks at big churches all around, comes to South Nara, and is blown away by the spirit of this house. Our worship team here was especially blown away by the worship. He loved the worship. So we are very, very blessed this morning. And, uh, and we want to thank Jesus for that because it's his church. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says this. It says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will be, uh, you will receive what he has promised. At the start of this year, we launched a theme called Raw, Gaining a Godly Confidence. Raw is in raw. That's a bad raw. Rawr. More of a pirate noise then, wasn't it? <coughs> the thought was that when you see a lion roaring, the wild, if you ever YouTube that, or maybe you've seen it in, in the wild or maybe a zoo, when they roar, it puts tingles down your spine. There's a reason why they call the king of the jungle. It's just like there's no insecurity in their roar. It's not a half roar like, like you know, it's just like, like, whoa. And so our heart this year and what we felt God wanted to do this year was really establish that this year that he will raise up a church that knew what they were called to be. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. And people who knew what they were called to bring, yeah. both individually and corporately. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back at the first six months of this year, I can honestly say I've loved watching the journey of that. I've loved watching our church, I think in a lot of ways, mature in the way we approach uh, our community, in the way we approach our new people who join the church, in the way that we honour each other, the way that we honour authority, the way that we um, flow in the gifts God's given us. 
I watch. I'm very observant. Any observant people in the house? I am one of those people, and I've always been this, who can just sit there and I just watch and observe all the time. Thanks, Jade. All the time. I find people so weird and interesting. I can sit in a cafe. One of my things when we're away, we choose to sit in a cafe for breakfast with the best view possible of all the weird people walking by. Now, weird can sound like a negative connotation, but it's actually quite positive. <laughs> Some people are badly weird, but most weird is actually cool. <laughs> Unique. I am a bit of a weirdo. I know that. My wife would tell you that. I have some weird quirks, but they make me who I am in God. And when it comes to you, you have unique quirks in God. When it comes to our church, our church has unique quirks in God. Again, quirk isn't a bad thing. When it comes to gaining godly confidence, you've got to understand something. That comes out of knowing who you are. Now, what has the enemy always attacked from the very beginning of time in Genesis? He attacked the whole thought of, Eve, did God really say that? Yeah. Eve, are you really wise enough? Are you really enough? Yeah. Is the perfect form that God created you in, in every way, is it really good enough for him? Why don't you go and take some fruit from the forbidden tree and just make yourself a bit smarter? Why don't you just go and get a bit wiser? And he attacks the very core of who she was. The strategy is no different. The enemy's strategy today is exactly the same. It is to attack the core of who you are. It's to attack your confidence. It's to make you think, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. And then he uses sin and condemnation to disqualify you in your mind. I can't do that because I've done this in my past. I've had a bad week, a bad day. I, I, I made a mistake. I sinned. And, and, and you don't understand. I can't ever do anything now because of what's been. But the grace of Jesus is so opposite to that. It's by his grace that we are qualified. It's by his grace that we are given the right and the authority to stand in his throne room. Can I hear an amen? So from the very beginning, and even today, and I've done a bit of counselling, I'm not the best counsellor, but it's always the same issue. Most counselling is this, I don't know who I am. I, things have happened to me, and so I have a distorted view of who I am. I've done things, so I have a distorted view of who I am. And it's not the person's fault. The enemies come in and try to mess up the view of God in their life. But when we come back to God, what does it say? It says his perfect love drives out fear. It says, it says um, pray that, he, that, 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 that that work will be complete. Whenever you struggle with fear, it's because God's love is still working away. When it comes to your heart and your life and our church, I want to encourage you, there's not much more powerful than someone who knows who they are. There's not much more powerful than a person who knows who God's called them to be, who knows what their grace is. It's hard to be insecure when you know who you are in God. 
Now, corporately as a church, this is so cool, you've got to understand something that when we know who we are as a church, there's not much more powerful things than that because when you know who you are, you know what you bring. (laughs) But the enemy will fight hard at trying to get us to question who we are and where we're going. Why is it that so many churches struggle with division? So many churches struggle with church splits. The enemy's plan is the same. If we can get you focused on each other, then you can't see where you're going. If you're focused on the inner turmoil of inside the house, then you're never going to reach the community. You're just trying to survive inside your own family, let alone trying to reach someone else's family. So we have to actually be bigger than this. This is why we talk about being quick to forgive each other. When someone in church offends you, forgive them. Don't leave. What a baby way to approach something. Imagine if your kids left home every time you offended them. It's the same thing. I'm leaving, never seeing you again. But what, what, what? Well, the Bible says forgive. It says, it says cover one another. It says, <laughs> it says to honor. It even says to pray for those who persecute you. Sometimes those who persecute you are inside your own church, or it feels that way. You see, love is so opposite to what the natural is, opposite to what the world is. So we come back to this this morning. God is wanting us to understand that he has called us to have a godly confidence, to know who we are as a church, to know what it is we bring, to be clear on it. Every time, it's happened three times actually now. I'm standing over there in worship and I get this picture and it's God saying, tell them how big the call is. Remind them how big the grace is. It's not this room. It's not this room. It is the nations. It is people coming from the nations to sit. And we have these little kind of taste tests. So we have... Pastor Cameron come in and he travels around and preaches and he sits here for one meeting and he's preaching, yet he is so blown away just by being here. It's a taste test of the grace that God's placed where he is refreshed even when he is preaching. How much more so those who come just to sit in the, in the, in the, in the seats and just receive. It is the grace that we carry. There is something so powerful about a church who knows what it is they bring. There is something so liberating about a church who knows what it is they bring. And this morning, for a couple of minutes, I want to speak to you about what is it that we bring. Because the thing is, is you think about soldiers. Soldiers are incredible in terms of they they protect our country and we'll always honour our defence forces. If you're an SES soldier, you are specialised above the other soldiers. Yes, you go through more trials. The training is much more intense. The tests are much higher. But you come out as a very elite, specialised soldier. The thing is, with church, it's the same. You can just be an average, average normal, everyday Christian, I guess you call it. Or you can be a specialised SES soldier for God. The same with medicine, same with medical things. A GP is great, we honour our GPs. But when you are in need, sometimes you need a specialist. Somebody who's got an extra training, spent extra years at university, 
went down a track that is very, very unique. But then they bring something that only they can bring. What is it that Celebration Church can bring? What is the specialist anointing that only we can bring? Because as you know, we're not like every other church you've been to. We're not like every other church in town and we bless them and we thank God for them. They have their own graces. But in this church, what is it that we bring? And the power of that is very liberating. It's very empowering because if you know who you are, you can then be effective. The enemy from the beginning has always had the strategy of destroying your confidence, number one. Questioning who you are, number two. He does this by, number one, stealing your joy. And number two, stealing your ability to dream. Now, we'll do a whole other message on that. But the strategy is always the same. If I can discourage you, disappoint you, crush you enough to the point where you no longer have joy, supernatural joy, not emotional laughs, that spirit on the inside that when things are falling apart, I'm still joyful in God, or your ability to dream. I once used to dream that God could use me. I once dreamed that God could use our church. I've been praying for years for revival. I believed for my friend to get saved. They didn't get saved. And, and all these disappointments come in, and it actually causes us to lose the ability to dream. But we have to understand that God is in the dream world. God invented imagination. Humans didn't. God did. Faith, if you like, is God-sized dreams he places in your heart and only by his power can they come about. Faith is the impossible becoming possible. Next month we're doing a whole month, starting with a whole month anyway, on just believing for supernatural miracles. What's a miracle? Miracle is something that only God can do. Some churches don't even believe in miracles. Too boring for me. It really is too boring. I need to see the supernatural part of God. And I have seen it. I've seen it in my life. I've seen healings. I've seen restoration relationships when there was no way. I've seen financial provision. I've seen God do things that only he can do. And if you ask a lot of the people here, and if you're new here, you'd hear the stories of the supernatural, miracle-working power of God. And we're just going to establish that as a church. As a church, we're called to know our grace our specialised mission. So let's talk about a few things that we carry as a church. The first one is this. We carry this ability to be supernaturally, or naturally supernatural. Naturally supernatural. We'll just leave that on the screen. I'm going to, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 4. This scripture won't be up on the screen, so if you want to read along in your, on your Bible... In your Bible, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, says this. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and this is Jesus speaking, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Why don't you say good news to the poor? He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and, to, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The next verse he then goes on to say, 
this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Which is so offensive to those who are listening. Who is this Jesus in the temple at the start of his ministry, declaring that this is something that is completely fulfilled in his life? The power that is this, Jesus is within us. Therefore, we are anointed to bring what he was anointed to bring. We are naturally supernatural. What does that mean? I mean, when we walk, when we talk, when we minister, when we do life, there is an element of the supernatural. The amount of conversations I have these days, and I don't say, thus saith the Lord, but then the person later on says to me, you know that when you said that, it confirmed something that God spoke to me? Do you realise that when you had that conversation that God was actually, that morning was already speaking to me about that and God just showed me something? And I sit there going, huh? Oh, cool. It wasn't a thus saith the Lord moment from me. It was me being naturally in my zone, which is a very supernatural zone. You think about Paul. Paul walks down the street, or was it Peter, and his, his shadow touches a sick person and they get what they well. He was naturally walking down the street and the fact that the anointing of God was so strong on him that just his shadow, my shadow's over just here, you can't see it, I can, it's enough to touch somebody and they get healed. They are naturally supernatural. Our church is called to be a church that is naturally supernatural. A church that knows that God has anointed me to bring miracles. But the good thing about that story is that it wasn't before Christ, it was after Christ. It was the early church. The early church, you know, is a great example of what the church should be. And I encourage you today, what is the normal for our church? What is the normal for Celebration Church? Well, it's to be naturally supernatural. It's to be a church that believes that miracles happen. A church that steps out in faith. A church that knows that sickness must bow to the name of Jesus. Poverty must bow to the name of Jesus. Because there's no name greater than the name of Jesus. In one of these weeks in this month, I'm going to be speaking about the name of Jesus. And I want us to be a church that continually just brings it back to the name of Jesus. The name above every other name. At his name, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. At the name of Jesus. There's something powerful about the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? I love that. You see, you got to understand, church, and I encourage you, if you're just focusing in, this is your church family, listen to this. Where God has called our church to minister from and to is big. The word I use is nations. Nations will come. People will get on the plane, fly to Sydney, get on a train, travel down to Bomo, and we'll have a car pick them up and they can come to church. And you might sit there thinking, that's a bit far-fetched. Miracles. Yes, it is far-fetched in the natural But we have to understand something. We don't serve a natural God. And they'll come in and some of them will be so broken. Some of them will be so, they would have lost their joy. They would have lost their ability to dream in God. And they'll sit here and they'll sit next to you. 
and your shadow will touch them. And healing will flow. And if this hasn't moved your heart, I don't know what's going on. You've got to understand something, that God has anointed you. There is a grace. It is bigger than a little church in South Nara. It is an international call. And I'm going to speak about some, some, I'm going to give you some fruit to back it up. There's already stuff happening that are going to really encourage your hearts. We need, to, we need to fix this stage, by the way, if anyone wants to come out through the week if you're a carpenter and fix that stage. Is this okay? The second thing is this. There's only three. The second thing is this. We're called to be a church that is deliberate in discipleship. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, says this. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is so interesting because basically what's happening here is that Jesus is about to go back to heaven. Now, think this through with me. If you're about to depart this earth, and just say you're on, on your deathbed and you're about to depart this earth, and, and you have your closest people in your world with you, who knows that whatever you share is going to be the most heartfelt thing you can share? You're not going to be speaking about the footy last Friday. You're not going to be speaking about something that is pretty much irrelevant. This is the moment of the deepest part of my heart I'm going to sow in. This is the moment, guys. What was the most important thing in that moment to Jesus? It was him that saying to his disciples, I want you to go and make disciples. Come in, guys. I'm about to go home. Come in. This is your last chance. This is, I'm going. The Holy Spirit's coming. This is your last moment with me until you see me in heaven when you pass away. This is my moment with you. Listen, 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 listen. Go and make disciples. Go. Go. Please go. Let me kick you out of the nest. Get out. Go. Go and make them because I am with you. No one, the Holy Spirit is coming. He has anointed you. Baptize them. We're doing baptisms. If you haven't been baptized, oh my goodness, get baptized because it will change your life. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I am with you. I am behind you. You're not going to be by yourself. You've got to realize, like years ago, I remember growing up, and there was definitely this kind of um, attitude by some people that I, I you know, looked up to, and they, they were very much, I come to church and just do my gifting, but I'm never going to disciple. They didn't say never. They didn't word it like that, but they lived that. Why don't you do a connect group? No, 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 my thing is just my gifting. My thing is just my gifting. I'm just going to worship God with my gifting. Come on. Jesus didn't say to his people, okay, okay, all you guys who have a gift in hospitality, come over here. You stay there. All you guys who are gifted in, uh, you know, um, worship, you stay here. Okay, all the disciples over here, come on. I'll be with you in a second, guys. Uh, just wait. Yep. And now I'm going to, you guys, when I go, I want you just to be the most hospitable people and just share the hospitable heart of God. I want you just to do worship and just be the worshipers. And that's, no, and then you guys, you're the disciples. No. He had his moment. He said, everybody listen up. 
Listen up, if you're my disciple, I want you all, I'm pointing to everyone here, I want you all, not, hey, listen, he didn't say, hey, all the pastors, all the pastors come over here, there's a fourth group, come on, come on, listen, Pastor Benai, I want you to be the disciple of the people in the church, that's what you're going to do, notice he didn't do that. Why is there an attitude that's coming to the church where the senior pastor has to disciple everybody? Where if it's not, because you've got to realise, I grew up this. My, my parents are my heroes. I love them. I watched it for years. My dad's out here working, and then someone turns up in the courtyard. Oh, I want to see the pastor. You see his face. like oh. Three hours later, after he's counselled them for three hours because they demanded a meeting because they pay a tithe, therefore it's their right, he's drained. That person feels a bit better. And it's just a normal culture. And I ended up saying to him one day, why is it that people have a right in their heads to come and just demand time of you? What does the Bible say, church? The Bible says this. My job is to equip you. Holla. To equip you for the work of the ministry. I cannot counsel every person. And it's, this is true. Yeah, glory to God. I cannot spend time with, if our church grows, what if God answers our prayer church? Then we grow to 500. What happens if God answers our prayer and God goes, okay, I'll give you a thousand now. And the person who's been praying, God, send revival, revival, now hasn't got a seat anymore. And then I hear they left the church because they don't have a seat anymore. It's like, let's be careful the prayers we pray. The thing is, though, is this, is that when God moves, things start to change and happen. And I cannot, on our pastoral team, if we have a 1,000 people, Brian Houston cannot pastorally disciple 30,000 people. Speak up, Brian Houston. He can't. He has to equip the church. Hey, why is heart and soul not important? Because it's a night of equipping you to go out. Because if you are the discipler, if you're the connect leader, if you're the one that says, I'm going to go out there and make a difference, our church just flourishes because we are in our grace zone. Now, what is discipleship, guys? This is for me. Discipleship is really simple these days. It's taking what God has deposited into you and giving it to somebody else. I just think it's extremely selfish of me when God gives me amazing things to hold it to myself. It's actually a travesty. It's actually not kingdom. Freely I have received, freely I will give. And I want to encourage you that if God has given you anything, you have something to share. You don't need to be a public speaker. You don't need to be up here. You don't need to just after the service find someone and pass on what God's given you. You're discipling. Let's be deliberate in our discipleship. Does that sound good? What is normal for Celebration Church? We're deliberate in discipleship. Now, can I just say something with this? I'm so proud of our church family when it comes to this. Our connect groups are doing the best I've ever done. And I'm so proud of our church family when I hear these reports, when a new family joins the church or a new person and someone's already teed up a coffee with them. Someone says, hey, can I take you out for a meal this week? It's just, it makes my heart so full. And when I hear that, and I just want to thank you if you're doing that, if, especially if no one knows you're doing it. It's a beautiful act of worship to God. To love each other. 
to reach out to each other, to, to be there for each other, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the disciples who help each other. I encourage you that if you're a Christian here with the Holy Spirit, you are graced to be this. Don't let your, your, your lack of confidence or your mistakes determine your ability to disciple. Even your mistakes can help someone else in their mistakes. Yeah? Hold another subject. But your scars that are now healed can help somebody else who has an open wound with that same issue. <laughs> you see, if you looked at me spiritually right now, my spirit man, you would see a lot of scars. Things that I've been through, things that I've watched, the wounds over the years, things that are hidden scars that me and God have had to deal with, things that are public scars that I've had to deal with, but hopefully things that are now healed. Especially as a pastor. I know what it's like to go through church turmoil. I know what it's like to pastor through a church when financially we go backwards by $70,000 in a year and we still have to pay people's salaries. I know what the pain is like when people leave without saying anything after you've invested years into them. I know what that's like. But most people don't know what that's like because most people aren't pastors. But you know what that scar does for me? When I speak to a pastor down the road who's going through that, I can now empathise and speak in because I've been there and I know the pain he's going through. And I can say, if God can restore me, God can restore you. What are the beautiful scars that you currently hold? What are, by the way, these scars are beautiful. Naturally, scars can be ugly, but these scars are beautiful. These are the scars that you don't try to cover up, but you show. I went through that trial. I went through that mistake. My marriage went through that season. My kids went through that season. But God done this. All these things are happening. And my business went through that. I went bankrupt. But then God restored. All these things. And it's like you can speak life. Which leads me on to my third and final point. That we are rivers of refreshing. Woo. Yes. This is my favorite. That's this why I'm finishing on this one. Rivers of refreshing. What does it say? Let's read a scripture. It says in Proverbs 11.25, Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be, them, them, <laughs> refreshes others will be refreshed. Let me read that again. I butchered it up. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Oh, okay. So we took on the church over 12 months ago. I'll come back to 12 months. Oh, I can't remember. It's vague. You know what I mean. Basically, we took on the church. The first message we spoke, I don't know if you remember it, was about being a well. We had a well set up here, I'm pretty sure, on the stage. We are a well for people to come to and to drink from to drink refreshing, to drink healing, to drink restoration, to drink the presence of God. We, church, you and I are a world together where we have a history. Your history is where God digs deep. He digs deep and you get deeper in the things of God and you've gone through those trials and it digs deep. But when you dig deep in a well, more water flows. We are a well of refreshing. The Bible says that there are rivers of living water, rivers in you. When we were over in, in New Zealand, we got to see a couple of glaciers. 
Glaciers are amazing, huge things that literally are big rivers that are frozen and gravity pulls them down. And what happens is they are so powerful that they create valleys. We are a mighty river. You are a mighty river. Maybe the dam of your river has been blocked up. How do you know that? It's because there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, there's things going on. You see, we can be refreshing to others. I've got some cups here. This was meant to be invisible. I have a, you couldn't, you're not meant to see that, by the way, so you've got to imagine you can't see that. We can pour out things and we don't realize it, but we're pouring out rubbish. Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean you're giving good things. Some of the most toxic people I've ever met in my life are people who call themselves Christians. <laughs> By their fruit, you will know them. We have to work on our hearts. We have to work on our purity. We have to work on our example. We have to work on our forgiveness. We have to work on our faith. We have to work on making sure that we're reading our Bibles, making sure we're praying, making sure we're in fellowship. All the men tonight, why is tonight important? Because A, whenever men get together, it's a powerful statement. It's biblical. It's something that God wants. We can encourage each other. Number two, it's fellowship. It's sharpening. It's encouraging. The second thing is this. We can be cups of refreshing to people. People come to our church and they're just so parched. They're just so thirsty. They're so dying to have a drink. And we say, hey, you sit down. You sit down, you relax. You have a drink. Have a drink, Tommy. You look like you need a drink. <laughs> you pour some more. We say, why not? Bailey, you're looking a bit parched, bro. Here you go, have a drink. Just relax, have a drink. Have a drink. We have a pastor who turns up and he's shattered. He's gone through major church conflict. His family's falling apart. And we say, hey, forget the cup. Have a drink. And we say, have a drink. You have it all, bro. You have it all. You have it all. <laughs> How was the drink, boys? It was good? You're looking satisfied. Refreshing. Awesome. So spiritually, what's happening is that when you know that you are that, well, it's gone, that, when you know that you're, yeah, you can keep it, bro. When you know you're this, when you know that God's placed something in you and it's who you are and it's what you bring. As a church, we are called to be a refreshment to others. Listen, if you're a new person, my biggest one of my biggest prayers is this, that you just today are refreshed by the presence of God. You don't need to be anything. You don't need to do anything. You just sit there and you just let someone in our church family come and bring you some water. And that's, that's, all, that's all different for different people. Some people are going to need prayer after a service. Some people just need a smile. Some people just need an encouraging word. Some people just need a friend. And I, my prayer is that our church family will go, we're going to be the SES soldiers of refreshment. Now, you've got to understand something. This is revolutionary for some because 
For some of us, we've grown up going, I come to church so I'm refreshed. Pastor, give me a drink. Come and, I've been sitting here for 20 years and I still need you to give me a drink. Listen, I will do my best to give you a drink, but I'll equip you to go to the bubble yourself. <laughs> Bubbler, what a great word. School days. But why don't you just put uh, the hand on the shoulder of the person next to you, or if you're married, take the hand of your spouse. We're going to pray blessing over you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, we honour you, we worship you. I thank you for our incredible church family. I thank you, Lord, for those who have joined the church these recent months. I thank, thank you for those who are yet to come. I thank you, Father, you've graced and anointed us to be refreshing wells, to be refreshing water, to be people who step out in faith and see people encounter heaven, encounter your love, encounter your grace. Father, we pray right now for every person here that your blessing be upon them. That your, I pray for a safe journey this week, whatever they're doing. Father, I pray for supernatural opportunities in Jesus' name. And I pray again your blessing upon all of our church family, both those who are here and away today in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, awesome. Go fellowship and we'll see you Wednesday. Be blessed. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.